this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Find somebody to high five, air high five if you want before you take your seat. I'm so glad to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Glad to have you online with us, literally across the world. We always have folks from many states around the United States. We have uh, folks from the Philippines, from Central America, South America, from uh, the Middle East. I mean, just people that are part of this congregation uh, throughout the world and never miss a service, and we hear from them on a regular basis. In fact, almost as many regularly uh, uh, online as there are in the room, and then literally thousands of others that are with us online as well. So thank you so much for being with us here today. We're celebrating the kids, just enjoying our Bridge Kids. What a blessing they are. And, and I'll say it again, if you're not serving in Bridge Kids, you're the one that's missing out. The joy of being with these guys and watching them blossom and watching them grow. I've saw some of the kids up here and I knew them three months ago, six months ago, and I've watched them come out. And I'm just so excited about what Pastor Holly and Miss Tammy and so many others that are working and serving our kids are doing. So we appreciate, can we appreciate the Bridge Kids staff this morning? Amen. Well, I knew that I wouldn't have quite as much time to preach to you this morning, but I'm gonna take it anyway. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll try to abbreviate things a little bit, not gonna make too many promises, but, uh, but I do wanna talk just a little bit about a reality that we have to face during the Christmas season. It's a high season, obviously, it's a great joyous season, but how many of you will agree with me that it's not unusual for Christmas to be a, a real mix of highs and lows? Anybody agree with that? Yeah, maybe you just got married, you're looking forward to your first Christmas together, uh, but then later, the only thing you can remember is the fight you had over whose parents you spent the most time with. I mean, that's kind of the way it goes. Or, or you're playing a family gathering and all the family's gonna come together and celebrate and you can't wait till they all get together. But when they do, the old long-term feud between grandpa and Uncle Joe kicks up. Before you know it, there's angry words and there's pouting and there's alliances and somebody gets voted off the island. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just kind of the way of of humanity, so it's not unusual for Christmas to be filled with joy, moments like we had with our kids this morning or when we were singing our praises to God, but also be filled with, with disappointment. And, and quite frankly, if we don't deal with the disappointment, that can ultimately become disillusionment over the whole season, and we just want it for the season to be over uh, as opposed to really embracing what it's all about. For those of you that are new, we're in a little mini-series we're calling Christmas Conflicts. And so every week we're talking about some of those, those conflicts that are an inevitable part of Christmas. Last week we talked about our beliefs versus our doubts and how to navigate that conflict. Today, of course, we're talking about the joys and the discouragements that are so often uh, linked together in Christmas. And what we're doing throughout the series is we're looking at some of the original characters of that first Christmas and discovering something that may be a surprise to you, and that is there ain't nothing new under the sun. <laughs> they had the same stresses in the first century that we do in the 21st century. They had to deal with a lot of the same conflicts that we did, and so we're going back and looking at those characters through the lens of these Christmas conflicts, because here's the deal. You can learn from your own experience or you can learn from the experience of others. Which one is easier? <laughs> Learning from others is far easier. And so that's what we're gonna try to do is learn from them. And of course, today we're leaning into the story of Mary and Joseph and the, 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 the juxtaposition of joy and disappointment that so often accompanies that 
stories. Let's get into it. Let's start our journey by looking at Mary's joy. Luke chapter one, we were in Luke one last week. We're still in Luke chapter one, verse 26 through 28. If you brought your Bible, you can flip there. You can go to the Bridge NC app and all the notes are there and all the scriptures are there. They'll also be on the screen. Let's read it together, okay? Uh, One, two, three, go. In the sixth month, wait a minute, in the sixth month of what? Anybody remember what we talked about last week? Zachariah and Elizabeth discovered late in life that there's a miracle child coming. His name is going to be John. Ultimately, we know him as John the Baptist. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, here we go, one, two, three, go, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Gabriel goes on to tell her that she's going to have a baby and that she's to name that baby Jesus and that, in fact, he was going to be the savior of the world. And I love the honesty of Mary's initial response. In fact, it's one of the things I love about the scriptures, about the Bible. It's just honest and human when you read it through that lens and understand. Her her initial response, verse 34, is... uh, how will this be? Uh, I'm still a virgin. It's kind of like, you know, 2,000 years of debate of whether the virgin birth is real, and the first one that doubted it was Jesus' mom herself. But that just struck me when I read that again this year. But undaunted, the angel replies with a compelling argument, verse 36 and 7, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. In other words, if God can speak and the universe comes into existence, and and if he can give your barren cousin a baby late in life, then certainly he can put a baby in your womb, even though you're still a virgin. That defense ends all arguments from Mary, and so she simply responds in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me, as you have said, may it be to me as you have said. Now, can I just be real honest with you? I'm going to, whether you let me or not, but it's just nice to get permission. I, I kind of expected a bigger response than this. I mean, think about what, what's just happened. This angel has just told her, I mean, the fact that an angel has showed up to tell her something is enough to get your heart racing. Can I get an amen in the room? I mean, it's, whoa, whoa, okay. And then he's told her that she is the most favored woman in the world of all time. That's all you get? Okay, all right. And you're going to have a baby without having a husband, a man, and it's not going to just be any baby. He's going to be the savior of the planet, the, the Messiah that your Jewish people have been praying would come for centuries, and you're going to be the one. I mean, somehow I thought there might be a little, well, okay, as you say, I guess that's the way it is. I wonder, it's speculation, but I wonder if you let me speculate for a minute. I wonder if it's because it dawned on her in that moment, uh, who's she going to tell? I mean, who can she share this joy with? Can, you, can you, anybody agree with me that the only thing better than getting good news is sharing good news with somebody who's going to be as excited about it as you are? 
I, that's what happens. You know, you, you, your kid does something great and you can't wait to tell somebody who loves your kid. You want to go tell your best friend or you want to tell your sister you're closest to or you want to tell the grandparents. You want to tell somebody who's going to celebrate with you. That's just the nature of it. But can you imagine Mary going, mm, okay, this is pretty good news, but who am I going to tell? Can you imagine Mary in a beauty shop? Okay, I'm, my brain is weird, but think about it with me. All the, all the pregnant women are in the beauty shop and they're under the hair dryers and all the stuff that they do. And one a parent is, one mother-to-be is saying, you know, my child is going to be smarter than any other children in the world. And, and the other one said, well, my child's going to be prettier than any of the other children in the world. And, and Mary finally can't take it anymore. She said, well, my child's going to be God. <laughs> and he created the world, ain't even born yet. So, I mean, trump on you, one up on you. Okay, here we go. So, so who is Mary going to share her joy with that will... Respond. I mean, can she tell her parents? Are they ready for that kind of news? Can she tell Joseph? What, what's he going to say? And so she finally decides as the story unfolds that her cousin Elizabeth is having a miracle baby now. So maybe she would be the one to tell. So even though it's a 50-mile hike, she packs up and goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth to share the good news. And you can imagine the response that she got from Elizabeth when she got there. Picture two close-knit sisters being pregnant at the same time, sharing their good news in every stage and of what's going on, sharing with each other. That's pretty much how Luke describes Elizabeth's reaction, verse 41 and 2. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in the moment. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Elizabeth's response is so wonderful, it releases the joy that Mary initially wasn't able to bring, but now she feels free to bring it, and she lets out a prayer, a song of praise that is historic theology. Theologians call it Mary's song. Uh, 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 high churches often call it the Magnificant. But here it is, verse 46 to 49. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant from now on. All generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Pastor Jim paraphrased, wow, look what God did for little old me. That's <laughs> just busting out with the joy of the moment as she shares this good news with her cousin Elizabeth who believes it so intensely. She's filled with the Holy Spirit in the moment that she hears the news. Fast forward to verse 56, and we find out that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. So do the math with me. Elizabeth is six months pregnant when she gets there. Three months passes, and so Mary's decided now it's time to go home. So little John's been born. It's time to let Elizabeth and Zachariah raise their son, and it's time for her to go home and tell Joseph the news that the angel brought to her three months later. She's three months pregnant at this point. Got it? Everybody got the picture? Do you hands like this if you're with me? Okay, we're tracking together? All right, here we go. I would love to tell you that Joseph was as thrilled as Elizabeth when he got the news. He wasn't. He didn't take it quite as well. I mean, which begs the question to me, how can the same message bring joy to one person and discouragement to another at the same time? How is it possible? Here's a guy who, that believed his fiance was a godly woman, but she's gone away to visit her cousin for three months and she's come back pregnant. 
And apparently this story about the angel didn't help him much because he's not handling it very well. I mean, you can imagine, put yourself in his shoes. Imagine that he's talking to his buddies and, and he's saying, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, my fiance is expecting. No, 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 it's not, not mine. Uh, but it's okay, she says she's still a virgin. I mean, can you imagine that conversation with his friends? Here's his problem. If he goes ahead and marries her, uh, what's that gonna do to his reputation as a godly man? I mean, if a baby's born six months after the wedding, people are going to talk, right? And, and, and how will it be to raise a son that isn't his and he doesn't know who the father really is? I mean, even if he can work through all of that stuff, can he ever trust Mary to go visit Elizabeth again? I mean, is, did she really hook up with some guy back there? And if she goes to visit her cousin again, she's going to rekindle something? And I mean, so the, the, all of the emotions, listen, these are human beings like us, guys. All the emotions of the moment well up in Joseph. He doesn't know what to do. He finally decides there's only one thing to do, Matthew, 9, Matthew 1, 19. Joseph, her fiance, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly well at least he's going to do it discreetly but go back to Mary's shoes she's just come told her fiance the best news not just of her life but of all human history and she's just spent three months celebrating that news with her husband her cousin and no doubt her cousin's husband and now she's told her fiance that she hopes will share the joy. He doesn't just walk away. He plans to put her away. Anybody guess how Mary's feeling about now? She's now gone from joy to discouragement and potentially disillusionment. So again, how can the same message bring joy and disillusionment at the same time? More importantly, how do you move from disillusionment to joy, regardless of the circumstances in your life. Some, some of you, some of you have been there. I mean, you haven't been in this exact scenario, obviously, but some of you have been in that place where joy and, and disillusionment kind of roll together, one flowing into the next. Maybe you found out that, you're, that your spouse is drinking again, or maybe you found out your spouse has cheated on you, or maybe, maybe you had a, a young adult a child who, who had come to church and, and made a declaration of faith in Jesus Christ and you had high hopes that your child was going to get his life together, get her life together and things were going to be awesome but now they've dropped out of church and they're starting to get back with their old friends and, and so that joy has become uh, what's going to happen now kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe like Mary, you're on a spiritual mountaintop. Maybe, maybe you've just had some experiences with the Lord lately and, and you know, have come to Christ and, and you're planning to be water baptized next Sunday. By the way, we are having baptisms here next week. If you haven't signed up to be water baptized, today's the last day. Get on the website. Stop, tell somebody in the lobby. Let them know that you want to be a part of that baptismal service. We're going to be celebrating together those baptisms, but maybe that's what's happened to you and you're ready to go public with your faith. Maybe you've joined a bridge group and, and you're in the growth track and you're learning things about the word of God and building deeper relationships. Maybe you've joined a serve team and, and those relationships are becoming rich, not just serving together, but fellowshipping together. Um, but the people in your life out there don't get it. They don't understand what you're dealing with. And so instead of getting uh, celebration when you come home and tell them what the Lord is doing in your life or how powerful that moment was in church when we started singing holy, holy, holy. They just look at you and say, oh, come on, you're not becoming a holy roller, are you? And so it's just kind of that up and down sort of time. 
So how do you deal with joy juxtapositioned with discouragement and even disillusionment? If you want to be joyful in spite of circumstances, you got to do three things. And that's what I wanted to share with you quickly, and then we're going to close. Three things for you to consider doing in this Christmas season. It might be new to some of you. might be a reminder for a lot of you. But I think it's an important reminder for all of us uh, as we consider the reality of this conflict at Christmas time. Three things. It's spelled out in the word joy. It'll help you to remember it. Let's walk through them quickly. If you want to have joy despite difficult circumstances in your life, you got to put Jesus first. The J stands for Jesus first. When disappointment comes, your first priority is to focus on what God is doing in your life. Focus on what God has done already in your life. Focus on what God wants to do in you and through you and for you in the process. In the first Christmas, Joseph's attitude didn't change until he met with the angel of the Lord. That's when things changed for him. That's when, the, when his perspective on the whole thing changed when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Simple truth is once you've been with God, everything looks differently. Again, I could give you lots of practical examples of that. We're not going to take time for that this morning, but I'll think, I think of one immediately, a married couple uh, in our Goldsboro location who recently was just a few weeks ago saying, this isn't going to work, and now we're saying because of God, because of the focus on Christ, they're saying, we got some issues to deal with, but we're going to make it. What happened? Did all their problems go away? No, their perspective changed. Why? Because they've been with God, because they put him first, because they began to focus on him. It's amazing how quickly our perspective changes after we've had a genuine encounter with God. So how do you get one of those? Jeremiah tells us, 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when, what? When you seek me with all your heart hear me. The chances are God will not send an angel to you. I guess he might, but chances are he won't, but he will make himself real to you. He will come to you and he will lift you up, but you got to be willing to seek him and put yourself in a position to hear him when he comes. Okay. How do you do that, Pastor Jim? I mean, how do you position yourself with that? Well, first by reading the Bible. That's his love letter to you, so read it. Don't wait for the movie to come out, just read it. Uh, Book of Revelation said it's the only book on the planet that you get blessed by reading it, even if you don't understand it. Just read it, and God will begin to speak to you by praying, by talking to him. Well, I don't know how to pray. You don't have to know how to pray. You know how to talk. You can, you can pray. I mean, that's simple conversation is what it amounts to. Listening to praise music. Listen to some of the music that we do. Well, we've got an album coming out this spring, and, and you can put that on and listen to that. But, but there's lots of great music out there you can listen to. By hanging out with Christian friends, having conversations about what God is doing in their lives. All of those things are important parts of your connecting with God so that he can speak to you in the midst of difficult circumstances that you're 
And attending church services is a huge part of connecting with God. I can't tell you the number of times over the years that, that Kim has said to me after church, you know, Jim, while you were preaching today, I just, this, the, uh, this, I figured this whole thing out. It just, the clarity just came beautifully for me right in the middle of your sermon. Understand, it had nothing to do with the sermon that I was preaching. She wasn't even listening to me, like many of you are not doing right now. Uh, <laughs> come on back. But in, just in the quietness of slowing down for a moment, in the presence of God, and the presence of God's people, in an atmosphere of worship, God will often speak into your spirit something that you've been desperately trying to figure out. The result is you come to church with one attitude and you walk out the door with a different one. You ever gone to church when you thought, I'm too tired to go today, but when it was over, you are so glad you came. You, you ever seen the sign that the ABC store runs sometimes? I haven't noticed this year, but, but I've seen it in previous years. ABC store puts a big old sign up that says, get your Christmas spirits here. I hate that sign. Actually, I love that sign. It just ought to be right out there on the front of this building, not the front of their building. Get your Christmas spirits here because these are the Christmas spirits that last. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those words you don't have to know what it means to know what it means, but you have to pronounce it right. Debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. In other words, don't get your spirit from the spirits of this world. They lead to disillusionment. Instead, get your spirit from the Holy Spirit of God, which leads to joy. It's one of the reasons the Christmas Eve service around here is such a huge highlight. It's a brief service, less than an hour. We sing the carols and we take communion and we light candles and it's just a wonderful time together, but it's a highlight of the Christmas season. People tell me that it sets the tone for their whole Christmas Eve evening and Christmas day. Three o'clock on Christmas Eve, we'll be right here. There's invitations scattered around here. You can take them and invite people uh, to be a part of that. Let's pack this house at three o'clock on Christmas Eve because it's such an important part of making sure that we put Jesus first. After all, it's his birthday, right? The O stands for, anybody know? You do, don't you? Others. Put others second. Even though Joseph was deeply hurt, he was still sensitive to Mary's needs. At least he was gonna put her away privately. So if you're struggling to have joy, let me, let me just be honest with you. The, the key to getting some joy back is to get your focus off yourself. You've been hurt by somebody. Instead of rehearsing that hurt, forgive. In fact, the Bible says pray for those who curse you. Bless them. That's what it says. Why? Because that's how you get to joy yourself. It's not about them. God can take care of them. It's about you getting free from the hurt that's bringing you into the discouragement and the disillusionment. It's amazing how quickly you'll feel better when you do. If you're in need, instead of sitting around thinking about your needs, wondering why others aren't doing more for you than they are, find somebody who has a greater need than you and help them. It's better to give than receive is true. One of the reasons that it's true is because the way to receive is to give first. You don't believe it's true. Uh, 
Talk to the people that helped out with Cricket's kids. Pastor Andy mentioned a few moments ago. Cricket said, I think we got a picture. This was just in our lobby last Sunday afternoon. And I, gather, I understand that Cricket and her team raised over $40,000 this year just in Wayne County alone to minister to these families that wouldn't have food or clothes or Christmas gifts for their kids, range of reasons, a family whose house was burned out, just all sorts of things. And the people that came together to be a part of that, I promise you, they left here with joy in their hearts. Dr. Carl Menninger, who's a Christian psychologist, said it this way, sound mental health is contingent on your willingness to set yourself aside and give yourself to others. More importantly, here's how Jesus said it, Matthew 16, for anyone who keeps his life for himself shall lose it, and anyone who loses his life for me shall find it again. You want joy this Christmas? Put Jesus first. Put others second. Oh, okay, Jim, I hear you, I hear you. Because I got, I, it makes sense, Jesus first, other second. Okay. But what about me? I'm the one that's hurting. I'm the one that's discouraged. I'm the one that's disillusioned. Well, where's it? There, what about me? Well, there's a place for you too. It's third, the why stands for yourself. Last, nobody's saying, nobody's saying, say it with me, nobody's saying don't take care of yourself. Not what the scriptures teach us to do. Well, I'm just saying get your priorities right. Make sure that you are putting Christ first and others second, and then you're in the mix. I mean, take care of yourself. Do the things that are important for you. Just get your priorities right. After all, you've made the top three. That's pretty good, right? So what was Mary's response when the angel came to her? Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants May everything you have said come true. Ponder those words for just a moment. Maybe this afternoon when you go home, pull that verse up and read it again and ponder those words for just a moment. Mary has now acknowledged and accepted that she is this most favored woman in the world, perhaps of all time. She's bringing the Messiah to the world and she looks at the angel and she says, I'm here to serve. I'm willing to accept whatever that comes. Understand, she didn't have a clue what was coming. She didn't know what Joseph's painful response would be. She didn't know how her friends would perhaps accuse her of things. She, did, she didn't know that the delivery of her baby would ultimately be in a manger, in a stable. No, she didn't know that within two years they would have to relocate to Egypt uh, in the night in order to save their baby's life. She, she didn't know how difficult it would be to raise a gifted and challenging child. You're talking about a child who at age 12 abandoned his family to go teach in the temple and, and freaked him out when they looked around and he wasn't there. And when they finally got to him and, and Mary said, what in the world are you doing? He said, my, woman, don't you know I've got to do what my father sent me here to do? I mean, how challenging is that? She didn't know the incredible ache of watching her son die on a cross, seeing that spear being pierced, in, pierced into his side. She didn't know. All she knew is that she trusted God's plan no matter where it led because she knew on the other side of putting Jesus first and others second, she would find joy. 
How did Joseph respond? Matthew 1, 20, 21. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for, for a child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Then Joseph woke up, and here's the key phrase, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded even though it meant waiting to consume or to consummate his marriage until after the child was born, even though it meant raising a son that wasn't biologically his, even though it meant fleeing Bethlehem in the middle of the night, even though it meant finding a way to support his family in a strange country like Egypt, even though it meant lots of challenges, it was a real test of character in every step of the way. But Joseph did well, the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He put Jesus first, others second, and then put himself in the position of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Even when it wasn't fun, even when it wasn't easy, and even when nobody was looking or understood what he was doing, Mary and Joseph knew the secret of joy was putting aside their own fears, putting aside their own agendas to follow God's plan. Does that come easily? I thought I'd hear one no. Does that come easily? Does it come naturally? It doesn't, does it? It comes supernaturally. It takes an intentionality. It takes a discipline to live that way. And when you understand what's on the other side of it, it helps, but it still takes discipline to get there. I read a story just this week uh, uh, that kind of illustrated that in some ways. It's the story of Fitz Chrysler, the famous violinist. I don't know if you know that name or not, but uh, he apparently hated to practice. And his wife knew the key to success uh, was discipline and commitment. So she would ask him every day, have you practiced today? Have you, did you get your practice in today? Well, late in life, they had a banquet in his honor. And one person even said during that banquet that uh, Fitz Chrysler was the finest musician in the world. Fritz leaned over to his wife and said, have you ever heard such praise? To which she replied, imagine what they'd be saying if you had practiced <laughs> Whether you're disciplined or not or accomplished or not, if you want joy, it's going to require some commitment. Mary and Joseph made a commitment, and God honored their commitment. They have the joy of being the couple that raised the Christ child that changed the world. Can I just say it bluntly and we'll close? I've never seen a lukewarm Christian with much joy. Matthew 5 and 6, 5 verse 6. Those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God will fully satisfy them. You want joy? I mean, real joy? Joy that transcends circumstance? Joy that rises above whatever circumstance you happen to be facing. Joy that fills your heart, that's based in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Then put Jesus first. Put others second. And then put yourself in the position of 
following him no matter where he leads. Trust that joy is on the other side. Would you pray with me? Lord, we pause in your presence after a morning filled with laughter and joy and applause and watching our children and listening to some great music, participating with some great music, reminding ourselves of the story of Mary and Joseph. It all comes down to this moment. Who am I living for? Is Jesus really the reason for the season for me? If so, am I putting him first? Others second? Myself in the position of following God wherever he leads? And if not, if there's any doubt about that, then pray this simple prayer with me right now. Pray silently, pray aloud, I don't care. The altars will be open. Somebody can pray with you this morning before you leave, but at least pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to my life. Now, would you supernaturally build in me this desire to put you first, others second, and myself last? I'm not sure I can do that in my own willpower, but I believe you can do it. And, and I want you to forgive me for not doing it before and give me a fresh start today. Let this Christmas be different than any other because it's filled with joy no matter what the circumstance of my life. And I'll thank you for that joy. Father, you know who's praying. You know exactly what's going on in their minds. It's in the quietness of this moment. Would you infuse us with the joy of the season that lasts all year? In Jesus' name, and all God's people said together, Amen.